Glad you're here. Glad again that you made the effort to be here. I want to encourage you every single week to think about who you can invite, who you can ask uh, to join us in our Thursday men's lunch. I think this is one of the best things that we do uh, as a church is to to invest in saying, you know what, this is what it looks like to be a man uh, who endeavors to walk as a follower of Jesus Christ. Again, I'm very glad that you're here. I think it's a big deal that you're here, but I want to encourage you to ask and encourage somebody to, to invite you every single week. Today, we're going to continue Uh, Our study of Romans chapter 12, I think, is a very awesome chapter. Uh, It is a study that I've called the Christian life. And and really in this study, uh, it is really actually practically telling us what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now think about that. It is one thing to claim the name of Jesus Christ. It is one thing to take up the name of Jesus Christ. But it is another thing altogether to actually live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Not just taking the name, not just saying, I I put my banner under this name, but to actually live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me just say this. Today, in this day, 2020, in the day we're living in, the world we're living in, we need followers of Jesus Christ. We need disciples of Jesus Christ. In the culture that we live in today, we need people that walk and talk and think and respond as redeemed, saved followers, disciples of Jesus Christ. That is the need of our world today. Well, what about this? And what about the the Congress? And what about the president? Listen, the answer for our nation, the answer for our culture, for our world is a saving knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we need followers of Christ today. Well, I believe Romans chapter 12 lays out for us what that means. We've talked about we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We're saved alone in Jesus Christ. And I believe Romans chapter 12 lays out what it then looks like to exist to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, we just started the study. We're going to start the third verse today. Uh, The first thing we saw in the first two verses is that the first thing is this. We're to be given to God. We're to be given to Christ totally, fully, and radically. We're to be given to Jesus Christ. That is our response to the gospel. In fact, that is our response to Jesus himself. Uh, Where they in the Old Testament gave a sacrifice uh, that involved death, in the New Testament, our sacrifice is our life given to Jesus Christ. So understand, the first thing is this. It's not just tipping your hat. It's not just saying, well, I've got this thing checked off. It is to actually give yourself, totally give yourself uh, to Jesus Christ. Now, part of that is that it's a life, and this is in verse 2, that's not shaped by the world. Uh, When you go back to the Old Testament system, they were to bring a perfect sacrifice. They were to bring a lamb that didn't have a defect, didn't have a blemish. They were to bring their best. Well, we're not to bring a life that is marred by the world, that's been chewed up by the world. The Bible says in this second verse that we're not to be shaped by the world. We're not to be compromising to the world. And the word that it used, we're not to be conformed to the world. But instead, it says we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We talked about that last week. That means by the Word of God, the input of the Word of God. Now, let me, let me say this, and, and we say it very frequently. We need to keep saying it. The truth is this. You cannot be who God has intended for you to be. You cannot be what 
God has intended for you to be, and your walk is handicapped, it is stalled out apart from time spent in the Word of God. And you know what? That takes effort. You know what? That Sometimes we think, I can't do that. I want you to be sure of this. You cannot be who God intended for you to be. Your walk will stall out apart from time spent in the Word of God. That means in the men's lunch. That means in sermons that you hear. That means in time that you spend reading and studying and memorizing God's Word. You cannot be the man of God He's called you to be apart from consistent, careful time spent in His Word. Well, the next part of living the Christian life uh, is what we're going to see today. And I, and I want you to listen to this, and I want you to hear this, especially as men. Be sure and get this. You were created for something. You, and, well, we start thinking about somebody else. Listen, I'm talking to you. You were created for something, and listen to this, the church needs you. The church needs you. Here's what I believe. I believe maybe starting around 1955, and I believe ever growing since, the American church, and this is what I believe, has become feminized. And I believe it has become an effeminate movement, an effeminate thing, because men didn't understand God built them for something, and the church needs you. I want you to leave today understanding, you know what? God built you for something, and the church needs you. Today, we're going to look at verses 3 through 8, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. I'm going to read those verses, and then we'll come back and look uh, at those verses in detail. Understand, God built you for something, and the church needs you. Romans chapter 12, beginning in the third verse, says this. For through the grace given to me, this is Paul, I say to everyone among you, he ought not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. And he who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. All right, we're going to look at these verses one by one. Let me start off again with verse three. It says this, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Now, here, here's the first thing Paul says. And, and it's the message that he has for them, and it's the message that God has for us. The starting place of our Christian walk, uh, we're given to Christ totally. We're not conforming to the world, but the starting place is this. Do not think too highly of yourself. Do not, now that's a crazy place to start. Isn't there somewhere deeper than that? Shouldn't we memorize 20, 20 chapters of the Bible? The starting place of the Christian life is do not think too highly 
of yourself. Now, let me just tell you this. Here is the natural inclination of all people. And, I, and you say, well, that's not me. I want to tell you, I believe this is the natural inclination of all people. We think we're better than somebody else. And I, I don't care what your setting is, and I don't care what, what your mindset, you, you may say differently. I think the natural human tendency is we think that we're better than somebody else. And I want you to see all the problems that causes. Do you know racism comes from that? You know what? They don't look like me. I must be better than them. Our group's better than their group. Do you know all the division that comes from that? You know what? I'm better than somebody else. We, we think we're better than the job that we're built to do. You know what? I'm, not, I'm too good for this job. I'm better than this job. I watch folks. And, and you know what? God built them for a job. And they, and they sit there and say, you know what? I see that job over there. I, I, I'd like to do that job over there. Well, the Bible says the answer for all of that is to have sound judgment. Now that, if you look it up in the original language, it means to see it as it is. Your judgment is not an inflated judgment. It's the true judgment. So the answer to, to seeing yourself as you ought to see yourself is to look at yourself with correct eyes, with the correct vision. Now, let me just tell you the deal, and I'm going to be very honest with you. And, and some of you are not going to like it. Now, you're going to laugh, but some of you are not going to like it anyway. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Here's the deal. You are no better than anybody else. You are no better than anybody else. I'm not better than anybody else. You are no better than anybody else. And some of you are saying, well, that's not what my mama said. <laughs> you are no better than anybody else. Have sound judgment. Have sound judgment. You're no better than anybody else. All right, listen to verses four and five together. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, what a, what a great picture. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually of one another. All right, these, these verses, now see the picture. It's a common picture uh, that, that Paul uses. He uses this in several of his letters. But it's a very, very awesome picture. It's a very understandable picture. Paul uses, and, and God gives it to him, the body. Uh, I, now, I want you to think about this picture. There, we have one body. I, I'm residing in one body. You have one body. There's one body. And that body can do awesome things. And sometimes I'm, I, I'm not sure we understand all the things our body can do. Uh, our body is awesome. It can do unreal things. It can do things I don't even know that we think uh, we could ever do, and we don't attempt them. Our bodies can do awesome things. But here, here's the truth of our physical body. It is made up of all these different parts. It is one body, but it's made up, and it could be thousands of parts. Now, I want you to do this. I want you to think like this for just a second. I'm going to give you a list. A heart, brain. Lungs, liver, kidneys, stomach. Now here, here's my question. Which one of those are you willing to give up? Which one of those are you willing to give up? Let me tell you this. You can have the best heart. You, you can have a, a functioning heart, a high-functioning heart. But if you have no brain, guess what you are? You're dead. Your good heart's dead. You know what? You can have a, a good brain and a good heart. And if your lungs are gone, you know what you are? You're dead. You can have all those things and those things can be placed. You know what? And if your kidneys are gone, you know what? It's not very long and you are dead. 
That is the picture that he gives. Well, understand, that is the picture of the church. We are all built for something. We are all necessary. We are all needed in the plan of the church that God gives. If you take one of those things out, if you take some of those things out, the body is dead. You know, I, I don't think we, we understand that when we talk about the church. If you take some of those things out, the body, it, it dies. Well, I, I'm tired of being the eyes. I'm so sick of being the eyes. When I, when I go out here, the wind blows and dirt gets in my eyes. I'm so tired of being the eyes, I like to be the heart. I like to be the heart. Everybody appreciates the heart. You know what? I, I'm tired of being the heart. I like to be the brain. Everybody talks about the brain. I like to be the brain. Or you know what? I, I'm too good to be a hand. But you know what? Even as a hand, I'm better than those dang feet. Christian life takes humility. Here's what Christian life is. I am this. And let me, just, let me just fill in the blank. I am this. I'm the bus driver. I'm this. I'm the one that cooked beans all morning. But I'm going to tell you something. In the grace of the living God and for the glory of my Savior Jesus, I'm going to be the dangest bus driver, bean cooker, Bible study teacher that you've ever seen in your entire life. You know what? Because the body needs the parts, and without the parts, the body will die. That is the picture that Paul gives. All right, verse 6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, now listen to this, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And then it starts down through this list. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. Since we have the gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Here, here's the truth of verse 6. How we are built... How we are gifted is determined by God. I think sometimes we think, you know what, I'd like to have that gift. You know what, I, I would appreciate, I'd like to be known for that gift. How you are built and how you are gifted, God decides. God built you and God places you, the one that he built, in the context of your local church. Now, now see, if, if he puts the body together... And he knows who you are. He knows how he created you. And he knows what your purpose is. And he puts the body together. And he's the one that did it. Do you understand how bad it is if some of the parts say, I'm going to remove myself? God, God assembled a body and he put all the pieces there that need to be there. But somebody comes along and says, not me. You know what? I, I'm, uh, that's not me. That's not who I am. I'm not going to do that. What Someone comes along and says, you know what? I'm saved and that's about as far as I want to go. I've got eternal life. I'm not too worried about the ministry of the church. Or you know what? That's somebody else's job or that's some woman's job. And, and I'm going to go do the things that I want to do and make a living for my house. When some of the parts are removed, and usually we remove ourselves, the church is hindered. Here's the question. Do you trust that God is wise? Do you trust that he knows what he's doing? Because he placed who he built where he intended them to be. Now notice, notice verse 6 goes on and says, then exercise them. Now what, what that means is you got to work them. you got to put them to use, then exercise what he built you to do. You know what? God is wise. He knows where he placed you. He gifted you and built you for a purpose. Now we have to exercise that. We have to put it into practice. Now, he's going to start to go through a list, and I'm going to talk us through the list. He says, if prophecy, 
than according to the measure of faith that you're given. And let me, let me tell you what the gift of prophecy is. It is speaking forth the word of God. In the Old Testament, a prophet would show up and he would speak forth the word of God. Now, if it wasn't the word of God, they were to be killed. They were to be stoned. They spoke the word of God. In our sense today, when we speak the word of God, it is the Bible, the word of God. God gifts preachers, proclaimers of the word of God. Well, you know what? If your gift is to proclaim and to preach the word of God, that's what you're called to do according to the measure of faith that God has given you. That's the first one. I'm going to go through the list, verses 7 and 8. If service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. All right, let me walk you through the list. He who's given the gift of service. Think about, think about these as we move through them. The gift of service, that could take a million shapes. There, there's folks that, that they have a gift to, to bring something that serves others, that serves the ministry of the gospel, that serves the ministry of the church. And, and, I, and, and I don't know what that is. I didn't get to put that in you. I know we need a bunch of those folks. But there's folks with the gift of service. Uh, there's folks at this church that come and they go up in the attic and they change air filters. No one knows they do it. There's folks that come and they check on the vans and make sure they have all the stuff done. And, and, and really nobody ever knows they do it. They have the gift of service. Uh, one, one of the things I always watch on Wednesday night, we have a Wednesday night meal, and I've said this several times, um, the trash cans, there'll be four or five of them back there, they'll get all the way full. And, and grown people that would, would probably scald their kids for doing the same thing, that trash will be this full. And they'll come by with two plates and a cake and a, and a pan of cheese dip. And they'll balance it on top of there like this. And they'll stack that right there and then they'll put their tea on top of it. And then somebody will come behind them and take a cake and put it on top of the tea. And I'm sitting there going, I, don't, I guess they can't see what's about to happen. And then there'll be somebody and I don't know what, what's in them. And here's what they'll do. They'll walk over there and they'll pull that bag up and they'll jerk that thing out of there and they'll put their foot on it and they'll tie it in a knot and they'll put two bags there and they'll get two more bags and they'll run those things out to the dumpster. And 40 other people walk by that same can. What is the deal with that crazy person? God gifts people with the gifts of service to serve the cause of Jesus Christ. It says with, if it's teaching, uh, the gift of teaching is the ability to make understandable what is complicated. This is, this is not easy stuff. And, and God actually places people with the gift of making understandable the word of God. You finish and you go, that makes a lot of sense. I understand that. I can apply that. A lot of times in the church, we don't have any of those folks that have showed up. And so we say, well, you know what? You've been here six weeks. You're going to start teaching. And you leave and go, I don't have a clue what you just said. It made no sense to me. God gives people the gift of helping others understand the word of God. Exhortation. I, I like this one. Exhortation. Exhortation literally translates from the, the Greek language to come alongside. To come alongside somebody. Um, that, that is really the, the basic understanding of encouragement. He places people in the church that can come alongside somebody else and say, you know what, I've been there and you're going to make it. You know what, this is hard, but you know what, God says this. You know what, this is what God's word has said. It held true in the past, and it's going to hold true in the future. God gives the church 
people with the gift of exhortation. And if that is your gift, the church needs your gift. I want to tell you this, and I may just be talking, but most of the time you set out to do something, you get six people around you going, that ain't ever going to work. That's never going to work. Well, you remember when Brother John did that? They fired him. That's never going to work. That didn't work. My dad tried it. It's not going to work. And you know what? We need to be around people that say, if God has called us to do that, you know what? He's going to equip it. He's going to finance it. He's going to bless it. And it's going to work. The gift of exhortation is needed in the church. It says the, the, the one that can give with liberality. Now, I'm going to just be honest. There are some people that God gives the ability to accumulate money, to accumulate wealth. God gives them in that. They ought to be humble and say, what, God gave me this ability. But you know what? They should be one that would say, you know what? If this cause needs to be financed, God has blessed me and he's placed me in this church and we will not be hindered as a church for a lack of financial resources. Liberality means to just turn it on. You know what? This is what God's given me and I'm going to pass it through and God's going to take it and use it in the church. Just like you need service, just like you need encouragement, you need some folks to finance the cause. It says the, the one that can lead. A leader in the church. Now, I want to explain this because sometimes this is getting messed up. A leader in the church is able to do this. They're able to discern where God is leading and they are to take those around them and lead them to follow where God has led. That is the gift of leadership in the church. Now, that's become messed up. But understand, they are able to discern where God is leading and they, are, and they can take the church and, and, and guide them to follow the course that God has led in the church. Now, here's what I'm going to say. And, and, and we've messed this up. And, and some folks don't like it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Did you know the church is not a democracy? Did you know the church is not a democracy? Here's, what, here's where we've messed things up. We've started acting like the church is a democracy. And we're letting people make decisions in our church. They have no business. God hadn't led them to make a decision. And I'll tell you what, we let a lot of lost people get in our church and they start trying to help make the process of the decisions. Here's what the church is. The church is a theocracy and Jesus Christ is the king and he sets the course for the church. I, I watch, and this is the nuttiest thing I've ever seen. Uh, there's churches that'll take surveys about what we ought to do. And I, they'll, they'll survey the church and say, what should we do this year? What should we do? What should we do? What, what's our three-year plan? What's our long-range plan? I, I, I read about a church, and this is not that far from us. They surveyed the community what they should do. We're right here in the midst of us. Will you tell us what you need in a church? And I sit there and go, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. You know what they ought to do? They ought to shut their door and they ought to pray and see where Christ leads the church. And they ought to walk that out in faith. People come and they say this to me, well, what about what we want? Well, what about what we want? Well, what about what we want? I want to tell you this. It's not about what you want, and I'll just tell you, it's not about what I want. It's what Christ wants for his church. And if you want a democracy, then you ought to go run for Congress. But if you want to serve the king, then you get in the church because he sets the direction as the head for the church. That's an important thing. The next thing it says here, shows mercy. The last thing in that list, shows mercy. Let them do that in cheerfulness. Here's what I figured out. I, I didn't know it was this rough, but it's pretty rough. I, I'm not that old. I feel like I'm 26, but all of a sudden I'm 48. If you're actually going to take a stand for the, for the gospel, it's going to be tough. 
And you know what? Life by itself is tough. And there's diagnosis that you didn't think you were going to hear. And there's financial setbacks that you thought you would never have to face. And there's friends that you thought would stay forever and they turn and stab you in the back. It is tough. And you know what? God puts some people in the church that can come along and say, you know what? I've been there and I've walked through that and I understand what you're going through. Or maybe I can't understand what you're going through, but I'm not going anywhere. And I'm going to pray for you as you go through this. And when you wake up tomorrow, I'm going to call and see how you made it yesterday. And we're going to try to make it today. And they are going to cheer your heart by showing mercy. Do you know the world doesn't have those people? You go out and try to climb the business ladder, they're going to cut you down. You go out and try to do something big, they're going to try to cut you down. You try to make a stand, they're going to try to cut your feet out from under you. The church, God gifts the people with mercy to come alongside and say, you know what, it's going to be all right, and, and, and he's not going to leave us, and to cheer your heart. That, that's just the start of the list. He gives it to us here. But all that comes to say this. You're built for something. You are gifted for something. Well, I don't know if I am. Listen, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are gifted for something, and God did it. You didn't do it. You didn't seek it. God did it. And you know what that means? That means this. You are necessary. You are needed. You are necessary. You're needed. Here's what we get from the first set of verses. Giving yourself to Christ is not a religious thing. Giving yourself to Christ is not a set of words. Giving yourself to Christ, we find in these verses, is a practical thing. God built you for something. God has placed you somewhere in a local church for a reason. And you are needed and you are necessary in the life of that church. You are needed and you're necessary in the life of that church. I'm about to close, but I want to tell you this. Here's the greatest thing that could happen today. The greatest thing that happened today is you hear this message and say, you know what, I haven't been serving my purpose. You know what, I've neglected my purpose. I I haven't even bothered to find out what my purpose is. And for you to go to your local church where they teach the truth of God's word and to show up and say, you know what, I may be the one that takes out the trash. I may be the one that leads the dangest Bible study you've ever seen. I may be the one that does something you don't even know what it is behind the scenes. But God has built me for something and I'm about to do what he built me for. And you watch how he is glorified and the church is blessed. God built you for something. And you're necessary in your church. And your church is hindered if you're not showing up. God built you for something. You're necessary in your church. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Six people are going to take out that trash when this is over, I bet. (laughs) All right, let's pray. During Father, we come, and I'm thankful for these men. And Lord, I'm thankful for the word of God that instructs them, that you didn't leave us to wonder and to, to bang around, uh, but you, you direct us through your word. I pray for the men in this room, first off, if they don't know Christ, I pray they'd see that their only hope is a saving knowledge of Christ. I pray if they're not walking with Christ, that they would turn their eyes and they would walk with the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for those of us here that are saved. I pray that we would give ourselves totally to you. We'd quit worrying about the reputation of the world. We'd quit worrying about the things that the world says are important, and we will be given totally to you. I pray we wouldn't be conformed to a sorry and messed up world, that we would stand out. And the Lord, I pray in our teaching today that we would serve the purpose that you built us for. Grown men standing on their feet 
and serving the reason that you created them and that you be glorified through it, that our churches will be blessed through it, that the lost will be saved through it. Bless these men. Encourage these men. Help us be the husbands, the dads, some of us the granddads, the co-workers, the friend, and the churchman that you've built us to be. Use us like that. We love you. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.